Aalto University Podcast. Is it okay if I uh, call you Kristina during the episode? Absolutely fine. Okay, so Kristina, um, how are you? I'm very good. Of course, the world is very difficult at the moment, so that that has consequences for Alto as well. So we we're thinking about how to respond to the current Ukraine situation. Luckily, the COVID situation is getting better, and people are coming back to campus, and and this yeah. is really nice, especially seeing students on campus. That's what we've been longing for for so long. As a pedagogical specialist, part of my job is to participate in what we call the TCA process, which stands for Teaching Competence Assessment. The purpose of the TCA process is to support academics' teaching competence recognition and the personal development in teaching. I had the opportunity to discuss TCA and other teaching-related matters, including all the EDI principles, with Kristina Mäkelä, the provost of Aalto University. My name is Rika Evans, and this is Future-Led Learning. Welcome aboard. Future-Led Learning from Aalto University. Aalto Tenure Track Career System is comparable with the standards of other world-class universities. It means that we have set the standards very high. We strive for excellence both in research and in teaching. So what does this mean? Hmm. Um, I might need to start a couple of steps back to explain that uh, the tenure track system is one of the university's core processes and, and also a key success factor for our progress towards work, work class. So, and, and what it does, the tenure track provides a visible long-term career path with clear and transparent rules and criteria for both recruitment and advancement evaluations and across the university. Um, for getting tenure, uh, which is a permanent associate professorship, and, and then you can still advance to full level after that, we evaluate both research and teaching. So both of those domains are equally important, and one has to uh, receive the evaluation of excellence in at least one of them, and the other one has to be minimum high quality. And what we mean with that is international level of excellence. So uh, meaning that the merits in each of these domains, they are assessed holistically. So we'll look at the, all, all the evidence in the domain of teaching, for example, or research. And and and, and then we compare those merits and that um, those competencies to international level excellence in the field. And the evaluation is done by peers. So if peers internally or in terms of external evaluators think that this is on international standards excellent, then it would be evaluated as excellent. Uh, you already started to tell us a little bit about the history, but could you open a little bit more? What is the history behind the tenure track process in Aalto? Mm. Um, Aalto was the first university in Finland to establish uh, an international Anglo-American style tenure track. And and I must say it's been one of the core aspects of, of our progress and development. Uh, what it means is that um, 
we have open international recruitment for the tenure track and a visible, transparent career path towards um, ultimately full professorship. So we typically recruit um, talents or, or people into assistant level positions. We can also recruit directly to associate level tenured position or full level uh, position. But typically the tenure track refers to starting from assistant level and, and progressing through uh, fulfilling the merits and criteria, uh, then step by step towards first uh, tenured position, i.e. associate professorship, and, and most often also to all the way to full professorship. So it allows people to grow. Absolutely, absolutely, and and in a in a uh, it provides a visible career path. If we compare to the system that we used to have before the tenure track, that's when we recruited directly to a professorship, a permanent professorship, and uh, there really was no visibility. We had uh, random short term, fixed term. Um, employments and there was no certainty. Of course, there's no certainty in the sense that you don't know whether you fulfill the criteria or not, but at least you have visibility that and, and the, you know what the criteria are. So it's a clear improvement for what we had in the BP4. And I'm very happy to say that actually of our just over 400 professors, 72% have been recruited now to tenure track. So we don't have any other professorships except uh, the, we recruit all the professors into tenure track. Okay. In this episode, we focus specifically on teaching competence assessment process, uh, which are an integral part of the tenure track process. So, so could you tell how does this process work? Well, as discussed, we evaluate both research and teaching competence and merits. So, so that's the the starting point. Our system as a whole, we call it, uh, or I, I define it as holistic peer review with checks and balances. What does that mean? Well, holistic means that we look at all the criteria and, and evidence as a whole, uh, rather than counting, you know, how many courses or how many publications, for example. And uh, then uh, it's a peer review, so peers evaluate both domains, uh, both peers in the different committees internally as well as external evaluators. And in terms of teaching, the TCAC or Teaching Competence Assessment Committee plays a key role in this evaluation. It's just one of the bodies. It does not make decisions, but it gives an, an expert opinion on teaching merits and competence based on a matrix uh, that, uh, again, is transparently available. And uh, that opinion then goes into the um, the next body, which is the departmental committee. And then the uh, process moves on to the school level committee, and then the dean makes a proposal for tenured positions, so uh, associate and full to alto level, and ultimately for those permanent positions, the uh, director, the president makes a decision. So TCAC or Teaching Competence Assessment Committee plays a key expert role in um, in um, evaluating excellence. Um, 
As a pedagogical specialist, I take part into the process myself, and I have often wondered, what does it mean that we are looking for? You mentioned merits. So what does it mean that we're looking for merits in the field of teaching instead of just experience in, in the classroom? That's a very good question. Merits are achievements. So you show evidence of your competence, not just evidence of activity in the field. And, and there are a number of competences that we're doing. So first of all, the teaching assessment is based on the uh, so-called teaching portfolio that the candidate prepares beforehand. And, uh, and then uh, another element is a teaching demonstration, uh, which in advancement is actually an authentic course uh, where the uh, committee comes and observes. Uh, for recruitments, it's more like a... Uh, Um, simulation, simulation yeah. really, exactly. And, and then an interview with a candidate. And, and what we're looking at in the components uh, or in the evaluation is, first of all, the candidate's approach to teaching and learning, how they approach uh, the teaching, uh, their experience in terms of where, what and where have they taught, have they, have, have they got a broad experience or, or quite narrow. And, and then we look at curriculum development and educational leadership. Uh, development as a teacher. And, and by the way, the, the sort of educational leadership development aspects also include things like uh, teaching materials, for example, online learning, pedagogical development, and things like that. Then we look at feedback, student feedback in particular, and ability to teach, which is, which is uh, the, the teaching demonstration. Could you give us a, like a concrete example about Uh, what kind of marriage could it be, for example, when it comes to curriculum development, for example? First of all, I'd again would like to go back to that the evaluation is holistic. So there's no one single thing. You can show the uh, uh, your merits and competence in that area in many ways. But typical things are, you know, uh, and, and this also depends on the field. It could be developing online pedagogy. It could be writing a textbook or contributing to a textbook that is broadly used. It could be writing a teaching case that is typical in the business school, for example. Um, it could be pedagogical uh, innovation and development in one's field. And uh, But the, the what's common in these is that um, you're making a contribution over and above just your own co course to your field, so that uh, the field and others in the field benefit from. One of the questions that we very often get, both from the candidates and also what we discuss in the Teaching Competence Assessment Committee, is that how much pedagogical studies should the teachers, professors or lecturers have? Uh, we know what it is with the lecturers, but oftentimes the debate is on the you know 10-year track side. Mm. Um, The minimum is five, mm. but what? How do we? Wh wh what do we encourage people to do? Do we encourage for more, or what? What is the sort of stand? Where do we stand there? We have purposefully chosen not to say is an exact number. We have an exact number for for lecture track, twenty uh, five. ECTS and and for professors we uh, we're using uh, the minimum threshold of five, but of course uh, having more is a way of showing merit. Uh, so it it tells you about the uh, pedagogical development and and the 
the way in which that you want to develop yourself. Um, at the same time, we need to take into account the different systems in the world because we have an open international recruitment and different countries have very different systems in, in pedagogical development. So uh, that's why we also allow different ways of showing pedagogical competencies uh, in addition to formal pedagogical training that's very strong in Aalto and, and, and it's very well and systematically organized in Aalto. Thank you. That's a very good clarification. Um, Then there has also been a lot of debate about the difference between the grades excellent and high quality. Uh, Why has the bar been lifted so high in reaching excellence in teaching? We are a world-class university and the bar is high also in research. Therefore, it has to be equally high in teaching. And, and so if we draw the parallel to research excellence, is where we expect merits to reach international level excellence. Oh, so that, uh, you know, international experts would also think that this is excellent compared to anyone internationally. We need to have the same standard also in, in terms of teaching. Uh, so in other words, any international scholar would have to agree that the person's merits and competence in teaching are at an excellent level compared to international peers. And what that means in practice, it means contributions over and above being just a really good teacher in the classroom or contributing to one's uh, own program. Because these are things that we expect from everyone. Uh, so one needs to, in order to gain, gain excellence uh, or the, be evaluated at, with excellence, is one needs to show, as I said already earlier, how one has made a broader contribution to one's field. And, and this can be shown in many different ways. And we discussed the development, uh, educational development uh, already. But it could be a number of things. It could be external recognitions, be there prizes and awards, or teaching is regarded as excellent in other universities too. Um, It could be the development of teaching material that is used by others, as we discussed uh, just just in the previous question. It could be pedagogical innovation or development in the field, such as teaching methods or online teaching, and so on. So there are many ways of showing broader contribution Uh, But the common thing with this is that it's over and above the normal classroom and own program work uh, that we expect from everyone. Aalto University recently launched an initiative called Oasis of Radical Wellbeing, which focuses on well-being of our community. Now, if we look at the career system, both tenure and lecturer track, How do we make sure that the aim for the world-class standards does not overwhelm our faculty, knowing that our community is ambitious and strives for excellence? Is there a high risk for burnout? Our community is ambitious and strives for excellence. There's there's that, 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 that's very clear. And um, it's, it's quite innate for, for many of us as well. So I think, uh, 
tenure track, of course, may contribute, but also we also have permanent professors who are struggling with these, with these uh, same things. But I, I, I would still go back to what we started with, that the tenure track has improved the situation significantly compared to the previous system where there was limited career visibility. So the, now we have much more visible uh, system where the criteria is, of course, ambitious, but what is? But it's the criteria is really what's required of professors, permanent professors. So the criteria is no way different in a tenure track than it would be in another system where we wouldn't have the track. What the track adds is a path, a visibility towards the uh, you know permanent professorship and all the way to full professorship. And I think actually another thing that where Alto is different to many of the international. Um, tenure track systems is that um, in many universities there is internal competition among assistant professors in that there are less uh, tenured positions than, than uh, assistant professors. Uh, we don't have that system but each and every assistant professor who is hired does have a permanent slot reserved as long as the criteria is fulfilled. So there, is, there shouldn't be any internal competition between um, assistant professors, but it's rather you, you're competing with, self, with yourself um, and against the criteria. We have been focusing mainly on the tenure track path, but we both have been mentioning also the uh, lecturer's career uh, system. How does that differ from the professor's tenure track career system? Well, it's first of all its own, uh, own separate track that is teaching focused and therefore the criteria and the career steps are somewhat different. The common aspect is that it also provides long-term visibility and a clear transparent criteria for both recruitment and advancement. From the teaching assessment perspective, the matrix that we use for criteria is the same and of course it will be applied for the you know, the lecture position in question, depending on the field and, and the requirements of the position. But but uh, the teaching aspects of the uh, evaluation are very similar. We recently launched the, <laughs> uh, how do you call it, pool, the principal, uh, principal university lecture. Yeah. Yes. Could you could you tell a little bit about that just in a nutshell too? Uh, well, the... Um, the steps in the lecture track are university teacher, university lecturer, and uh, then senior lecturer. And, and now we've recently, as, as you mentioned, added one more step for principal university lecturer. Um, it's an advancement possibility for those senior university lecturers. So you can't be directly recruited to principal university lecturer, but you have to advance to that position from the senior university lecturer who are really committed to making a contribution to teaching over and above again with the you know one's own courses and one's own program so so broader contribution to uh, teaching development in in one's field and again in a similar way than uh, the excellence criteria is is for professors future led learning so now we've been talking about the, the career systems, but many must be wondering, including me, that what kind of support does Aldo University offer 
uh, to the faculty on the career systems? Uh, quite a number of things, actually. If I start with when a new professor comes in, uh, we have a systematic onboarding process for new professors that we are just launching now, actually. It's been piloted and tested already, and, and I think that will provide a systematic way of, of getting everyone familiar with the key things and feeling very welcome to Aalto. Uh, then uh, each and every assistant professor w- will get a mentor, um, not necessarily from the same department, from, from the same school, typically someone who's just gone through the track and has been recently tenured because those those people are obviously the most familiar with the processes and and the pitfalls and the and and the uncertainties and and things that one needs to know so that's another systematic development process that that we have then we have career dialogues at the start of the employment within the first 6 months and then also yearly where the supervisor and the professor will go through a number of things, of course, uh, but also very much looking at the development in, in the tenure track. And then our deans in our six schools also have yearly discussions typically with, with assistant professors. And, um, and, and those uh, have been uh, received as, as, as very helpful. Mm. So, of course, I work in the learning services uh, and I'm interested to hear that what kind of things have you been sort of thinking from the teaching side? Mm. Of course, all of these things uh, that I mentioned include both research and teaching domains. So, so they are they are included already. But of course, I must add that the pedagogical specialists play play a key role in terms of helping out in uh, pedagogical development. First of all, the pedagogic courses, and as discussed already, we one has to do at least a minimum five, but of course preferably more, and and it's for one's own benefit. And and then the pedagogical specialists do provide a lot of sort of coaching as well in terms of what kinds of things one should look at it and, and what is important in the in the assessment. I know that the business schools, for example, Eureka, do that in when people are moving from assistant one to assistant two. Yes. So would you call that in the in the domain of teaching, one could see this as a development of one's own professionality? Absolutely. Very much so. So we we touched the subject of Oasis of Radical Well-Being a little bit already. Mm. Um, but this Eddie. Mm. Equality, diversity and inclusion. Now let me ask you there. Um, in some instances, some people say equity Mm. Uh, diversity and inclusion. Uh, is there a like a reason why we talk about equality instead of equity? Um, equality typically refers to equality between the genders, and equity means that in in a process, each applicant, for example, is treated in the same way. So, so both are important. Yeah, but in terms of eddy work, we typically typically say equality, diversity, and inclusion. So, equality means really equity between the genders, but also across different minorities, other minorities. Diversity means that that we are a very diverse um, community uh, in terms of our backgrounds, in terms of our nationalities, uh, and so on. And inclusion means that everyone in the community feels at home here. Excellent. So if we look at the career paths and, and the eddy questions, 
um, how do we consider this equality, diversity, and inclusion in the career paths? Well, EDI, or Equality, Diversity, and Inclusion, they, they are really of central importance for Alto, central for our values of responsibility, courage, and collaboration, and our ways of working. And, and that, of course, includes the career systems because they are very central to how, how we work. Um, if I think about recruitment, first of all, uh, we have open international recruitment with transparent criteria that is openly available, that the, the criteria are openly available on our website for anyone. And uh, the best candidate gets the position regardless of the candidate's background. So we don't have, you know, targeted recruitment, for example, but anyone, regardless of background or nationality, uh, can can apply. And, and then based on the criteria, the best, best candidate uh, gets the position. And, and this has actually increased the diversity of our um, career track significantly. If I take uh, professors as examples, uh, in 2010, when Alto started, 4% of our professors were non-Finnish. Now the number of all professors is 26, 26%. And in terms of new professor recruitments, 34% of, of uh, new professors have a background uh, from somewhere else than Finland. And in terms of de- gender equality as well, uh, in 2010, uh, 10% of our professors were uh, women. Now the number of all professors is 20%, but of new recruitments, it's already 27%. So we doubled the percentage share of, of, of women in our professors. We, I think we still have way to go, but uh, we should also acknowledge and celebrate the achievements or the progress that we make. Oh, absolutely. And then if I think about uh, recruitment, what kinds of things or activities we're doing, um, we don't have targeted recruitment, but as I said, it's based on merit and it's open to everyone. But what we do is we have an internal headhunting service called Talent Search, where we can attract, identify and attract underrepresented groups as applicants. We have a handbook and e-learning on any aspects of recruitment, for example, try to tackle unconscious bias. And we've revised our job advertisement templates and photo material banks, banks so that they are inclusive. And uh, it's many things like that that makes a dif- make a difference. And, and I think we are making progress here. This topic has, well, Oasis of Radical Wellbeing has made us all aware of it, but it's also very topical in this, in the society in general. And I think it's very important that we tackle these questions in here, Absolutely. here in other universities Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. I, I think equality, diversity and inclusion are very important for our community members. Our students are very aware of these things and, and should be so. And as you said, that there's a lot of discussion around any issues uh, in in the society. Uh, for us, I, I think I'd like to really emphasize inclusion so that everyone in our community, regardless of background, is feels at home in Alto. And I think that's something that we emphasize more generally. Now we, of course, discussing the career system, but systems, but Eddie is 
you know, everywhere. It's in our daily encounters as well. So it's 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 not just the provost's job, but it's a job for everyone to make, um, you know, our colleagues feel welcome and accepted in the community. That's actually something that I, I discussed in a, in a video that we made uh, for Radical um, uh, or the Oasis for Radical Wellbeing that I would encourage everyone to watch because that gives the bigger picture for, for what, what we're trying to do um, in terms of eddy activities more broadly. Absolutely. And for the listeners, I would like to mention that there is the site at alda.fi for Oasis of Radical Wellbeing, and we have a lot of uh, interesting and very educative material there. So please, please do go check it out. And we also have a dedicated site for equality, diversity and inclusion issues. Uh, Our development plans, our progress, we're sharing data, we're sharing also uh, advice what to do in problematic situations uh, if you feel that uh, you... um, you're facing inappropriate conduct, for example. And all of this work builds on our code of conduct in Alto, which is really defining the ways in which we we should all um, act um, in, in Alto. Well, Christina, this has been excellent and interesting conversation with you. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. You have been listening to the Future-Led Learning Podcast with Rika Evans and her special guest, Provost of Aalto University, Kristina Mäkel. The Future-Led Learning Podcast is now a part of the Oasis of Radical Wellbeing. Please look us up online at radicalwellbeing.alto.fi or on Instagram at aaltowellbeing. The episode was produced by me, Sakari Heiskanen, and it included music by Siddhartha Courses and Sagerson. Alto University Podcast.